So I had seven brothers. <clears throat> and they weren't just regular, typical brothers. They were wild, crazy, out-of-control brothers. And one of the good things, I was the first girl, but one of the good things about having brothers is they, they had girlfriends. And so for that, I was always really thankful. My favorite friend, uh, the reason that she was my favorite friend, girlfriend, is because she always took me everywhere. And so she was in high school and I was in elementary school, and I always got to hang out with her. And often she would take me to her best friend's house. And her name was Sue Oderson. And the reason that I loved going to Sue's house is because every time I was with her, she would sit down and she would ask me questions. And she really genuinely wanted to know what I had to say. And I always left just feeling good. But one particular day, we were in her living room and she was talking and asking me questions and so into what I was answering. And then a group of her friends walked into the living room and, and chaos entered. And you know when you're the person talking in a conversation and all of a sudden people come along and like you're right in the middle of saying something, but you know that it's over, right? You just got to kind of let it go and just be good about it. And so that's, that's what happened. And so I knew that it was over and, and our time, our special time was over. And she talked with all of her friends for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, she turns back to me and she taps me and she says, okay, keep telling me now. And I was like, keep t like you're going to come back to me when all your friends are in the room? And she did. And she made a huge impression on me. And the reason why is because she honored me. She made me feel loved, and she made me feel valued. So honor affirms value, right? And um, when I then went to middle school, I'm just curious, how many of you in middle school, like, struggled? <laughs> Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Middle school was by far the worst time of my life. And partly because I fell into the trap of gossiping and talking about everybody. How many of you did that? Anybody? <laughs> anybody in the room? Yeah, even my closest friends, like we talked about each other. And my favorite cousin, like literally, like I never lived by her. And she moved to, to my town for this one year. And she went to my school. And I always talked about her behind her back. And I, I've struggled with that my whole entire life. But she talked about me behind my back, too. And so one day, um, it was after the first few months of, of um, the eighth grade, I woke up and I said, I'm finished with school. I'm not going back anymore. And I meant it. And I'm a strong girl, and I set my mind on it. I quit middle school. And I refused to get out of bed. And my mom gave me a day or two, and then she said, it's time to go to school. I said, I'm not. I will not go back to middle school. And so after eight days, my mom began to get a little worried and a little concerned, and not quite sure what to do. So there was a Christian school down the street from my house. It only went to the sixth grade, but my mom went down there and made some kind of an arrangement, and I started school with no other eighth graders. 
just perfect, perfectly perfect. And that's where I found Jesus, which isn't God good. Even in my stubbornness, he had something good for me. But um, when I found Jesus, I knew that this was a fresh start. And I made a decision that I was going to think about Sue Oderson. Because I knew that I wanted to make people feel the way she made me feel. And so I began going on this journey of how to find and the good and value other people. And the Lord began to teach me things because I genuinely wanted that. And he started showing me, you know, when somebody's mining for gold and they bring out, you know, tons and tons of dirt and rocks, you know, just trying to find that gold. Well, the Lord said, that's how I want you to view people. Everybody has gold inside of them. You might have to dig through some dirt, but dig through it and find the gold. And so I begin to do just that. Respect is earned, but honor is given. And you know, honor looks different for every one of us. Jordan, I was sharing this with him, and he said, Mom, tell him what honor looks like. And I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, I think everybody honors differently. Because we have different personalities and we have different gifts. But for me, honor is sitting down and listening to somebody. Like, I want to genuinely know who you are. And I'm going to ask you question after question after question. And I'm not going to be thinking of, of what I'm going to say when it's my turn. Because I don't even care if I get a turn. I just want to honor you while I'm in your presence. Because I want you to leave and you to feel valued by our time together. Another way for me is when I walk into a room, I am always aware of who's in the room. I kind of leave myself at the door, even if it's a secular party or whatever, wherever it is, if I'm in the presence of people, I want to be aware if there is somebody in the room that just needs something that if somebody needs to be encouraged or, or just somebody's by themselves and, and maybe just needs somebody to come alongside of them for just a minute. And so to me, honor is paying attention to what's going on around us and, and loving from love, not walking into a room and waiting for somebody to come and comfort me and, and make me feel good, but instead just stepping right in and trying to make somebody else feel good. Um, I have a funny story. Danielle's not here, but... Danielle and I went out to dinner a couple weeks ago. We were sitting outside at Bardenay, and it was a beautiful night. And, and her and I literally been trying to get together for two or three months. And we are finally there, and she's sitting right across from me. But right next to her, in my view, is a woman, her husband, and their little boy. And, and I felt so much pain and loneliness on this woman. And I'm so in tune with the people around me that, that I was trying not to look at her. I was trying to stay focused in on Danielle, but Danielle knew that I was doing that because I kept, she could, kept looking at me funny. And finally, I had to tell her, I'm so sorry. It's just that woman, that woman, she's in my eyesight, and, and she's, she's still so isolated, and she's so lonely. And, and finally, I struggled through the whole meal, and then Danielle went to go to the bathroom, so I just jumped up. <laughs> 
I'm going to go encourage her. But then once I got up and started to their table, I realized I'm in the middle of a restaurant. Like, Robin, what are you thinking? But it was too late. I was already at their table. <laughs> and because after I'd already been feeling this, then I watched when their meal came. And, and she, the, her husband never once spoke to her. And she ate her entire plate and then started eating her children's plate. And, and so I, I just went in for it. And so I looked at the husband first, you know, to get him out of the way. You know, hi. You know, hi. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I said, I just, you, you've been in my view all night. And I just really felt like the Lord had words for you. And I would love to share them with you. She goes, oh, no, 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 I don't want any of that. No. I said, yeah, no, I totally get it. But listen. <laughs> I said, how about you just let me share it? And then if it means nothing to you, just disregard it, and I'll just go back to my table. And the, I look at the husband. She looks at the husband, and he's kind of like, yeah, let the crazy lady talk. You know, I, I'm kind of curious what she has to say. And so I, I just began to share the Lord's heart with her and, and what he showed me is inside of her. And I am telling you, instantly, her whole face lit up and she came to life. And I just said, bless you, bless you, bye-bye. And I went back to the table and Daniel came back. I go, let's go. <laughs> She's like, why? I go, tell you later, let's go. So... As I'm gathering my stuff, I can tell she's glaring straight at me. And I finally look over at her, and she was sitting there trying to get my attention. And she's like, thank you. Thank you. And I said, yeah, you're welcome. Bless you. And I walked out of there. And listen, she didn't just feel valued, but so did I. I just felt like the God of the universe just used me to bring hope and encouragement to someone who desperately needed it. So to me, <clears throat> honor is looking for ways to share the Father's heart. One of my favorite ways to honor people is when they come into my house. Like, I decorate my house so cute. For me, but I also do it for you because I love when people come over and they get to just come into my little world and I get to bless them. And if they're going to stay overnight, I always make sure I know what kind of coffee creamer is their favorite. And I always have home-baked cookies, even though I might not always home-bake them, but, but they look home-baked <laughs> and they're tasty. And, and my guest room isn't all the leftovers from all the sheets and pillows that have been used through the years. In fact, have you ever gotten in somebody's guest bed and their, their pillow is so old that it doesn't even elevate your head? You're just kind of flat with a mattress? Not in my house. You get the best linens, the, the coziest blanket, and the, and the softest pillows. Because I want you to come to my house and I want you to get a glimpse of the Father's heart and how much he loves you and how important and special you are to him. So that's what honor looks like to me. What does it look like to you? 
catch up with my notes. Yeah, so, so honor is um, really incredible and has always been a part of my life, at least since the 13 years old. But when God called me to go to, to ministry school at Bethel, my first day there, I was like a giddy little girl. Do you know why? Anybody know why? Why? Brandy should know. She's there now. Why? What was it about the culture? It's a culture, it's a culture of honor. And it's as close to heaven on earth as anything I have personally experienced. Brandy, McKenzie, would you agree with that? So people will, like I had a girl walk up to me and give me $200, and she just said, the Lord wanted to bless you today, and he asked me to give you this. I'm like, oh, okay. I had a woman come up to my house, and she knocked on my door, and she had so many vases of roses that there was almost 100 roses, and she said that God wanted her to show me the extravagance of his love for me. Yeah. People looked for reasons to celebrate you, and they were so open to God's heart that they just found any possible way to do that. And I knew that I wanted to be like that as well. But my favorite story, I shared a retreat, but I'm going to share it again. So Sherry Downs, who came and spoke at our retreat, was my pastor, and she had invited me to be in a special group, and she told everybody that was in this group, please do not miss this meeting and make sure you're on time. Well, my boys were all in town for the weekend, and, and I, the morning of the meeting, I got up and made them breakfast and got lost in my boys, and all of a sudden, I look at the clock, and the meeting had started 15 minutes ago. Oh, you know, and she's just like, she's my, she was my mama. Like, I didn't want to disappoint her. So I literally ran in my closet, and I put my clothes over my pajamas, threw my Ugg boots on, and put my hair in a clip, and I raced to school. I ran as fast as I could. And when I got outside the door, I had to stop and breathe and then prepare myself to walk in and disappoint her. But when I walked in, everybody started clapping and smiling at me, and I got offended because I didn't understand it. And it took me a minute to realize that they were honoring me even in my failure. And that was new for me. That took me to a whole new level of honor. So Riverhouse, when God called me to come back to Boise and it was time for us to start this church, there was one thing on my heart and that is, I want us to be a culture of honor. And we prayed about it, we talked about it, and we decided that it was just something that was going to have to happen over time. Because you can't just come in and say, okay, guys, when a girl walks in the room, you need to make sure that there's a seat for her. And if there isn't, you need to jump up and give it to her. Because that's what they do That's at Bethel. If you walked into a room, it's like... You don't want to come in and all of a sudden just tell people how to, how to honor and how to be a culture. A culture is something that comes in time, right? I want you to know that you, Riverhouse, are a culture of honor. And when I watch you, and trust me, I watch you all. 
I pay attention. And when I see the way that you are loving people and stopping for the one and blessing people and Rob, I tell you, he vacuums for me anytime I need him to. He puts on that big old vacuum cleaner and I'm like, this room, this room, this room. And Rob just jumps up and he does it. People come early to help. People stay late to clean up. Like honor, honor, honor. And so I had to start out by telling you that I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Like I lay in bed sometimes at night and I picture your faces. And I just lay there with gratitude in my heart because you are so amazing and you are loving people so well. And I could honestly talk about a lot of people, but I'm going to talk about a few. Missy Veek, stand up. This is Missy Veek, and if you don't know her, you want to know her. Let me tell you why. Missy is one of those quiet people that's always faithful, always there, and always paying attention to those around her. I'm telling you, I've seen more miracles come through her life than probably anybody I know. And it's, and it's always because of some little tiny thing that she did, and she did it with love, and then she knew what they needed, so she connected them with somebody over here, and then this crazy miracle happens over and over and over. And so, Missy, I have watched you all of these years, and it has been a privilege to walk this journey with you. And I have been blessed more times than I can count by the way you love and honor the world. So bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Joy Holsinger, stand up. Joy is a busy woman. She is married to a physician, and that is not the easiest way of life, just saying. And she has three kids. She's a counselor. Her and her husband, they shared a while back, they are taking the biggest risk of their life and they are starting a professional basketball academy that takes a ton of time. She also works weekly with the refugees and I can't even tell you how many things they support and they get behind. But on top of all of that, Missy, go, I mean, Joy goes to everybody who is hurting. She is a counselor, but she doesn't get paid. She just counsels any and everybody that is hurting and that needs it. And I have sat with her, and I have watched her cry with those who cry. And I have watched her hold those who hurt. And it doesn't matter how busy she is, she always makes time to love and honor. So Joy, you are honored tonight. So bless you. <laughs> Ashley White, stand up. This is Ashley White, and I'm sure you probably know her because she's, she's got her hands in everything. I want you to know that Ashley pays such close attention to people. The first time I ever had coffee with her, she, my favorite color is pink. If you've been to my house, you know that. She brought me the biggest bouquet of bubblegum pink roses that I've ever had. They're on my Instagram page. Just go look at them. She literally, she prays about who she can bless. She spends time in the presence of God asking him, how can I bless this person? She feels things. I, I meet with people all the time. Ashley's name comes up again and again. Oh, well, Ashley told me that same thing. 
Ashley did this. Ashley bought me tennis shoes. I saw somebody with tennis shoes, cool tennis shoes. I was like, where'd you get those? Ashley bought them for me. I've seen people with beautiful designer bags. Where'd you get that bag? Ashley. Like Ashley loves and blesses people and honors them so well. And so tonight we honor you, pretty girl. Okay, Mackenzie, hey, stand up. Mackenzie is one of the most creative, gifted, talented, organized people you will know. And she does so much for Riverhouse. She does any and everything. She's also an interior decorator, just if anybody's interested. Um, she has helped me with project after project. And she blesses and gives gifts and beautiful cards with beautiful writing. And she makes people feel known. She picks out your favorite things. And she, she paints them or draws them or cooks them. And she brings them to you. And I have been the recipient of it so many times. And again, her name is always coming up. So thank you for all that you do, Mackenzie, because I can't imagine this without you. So bless you. I could go on and on and on. I honestly could. But Riverhouse, job well done. Keep going. Keep moving because it's beautiful. Well, you were each one chosen to be a part of the foundation of this church, of this movement, and, and to be a part of a healthy family, because that is what we're going after, is we want to be a family and we want to be healthy. You matter, you are valued, and you are chosen for such a time as this. I got a word from the Lord a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was a very clear word from the Lord. And he said, Riverhouse is in a pivotal time in the formation of its foundation. What is put in the foundation today is what will bear fruit tomorrow. And he said, pay attention what is going into your foundation. And I have been. He specifically told me that there were a few areas that we needed to guard ourselves against. The first one is comparing and competing with one another. Listen, comparison is the, is the stealer, is the thief of joy. And nothing good ever comes to comparing ourselves, ever. I'm telling you, I've been at this a long time. It's a natural thing that we all fall into. But two things happen. Either I compare myself to you, Jessica, and I find that you're better than me. And what happens is I get defeated and discouraged. And if I'm carrying discouragement, if I'm down on myself, if I'm not careful, I start to hate myself. Self-hatred can sneak in so quickly. And then if I'm carrying all that, then what am I releasing in the environment? Ugh, right? I'm releasing what I'm carrying. Or the other thing that can happen is I compare myself to you, and I find that I'm better than you. And then what happens? I become prideful. Now what am I carrying? Now what am I releasing? Is that what we want to be in our foundation? Because I don't know what kind of fruit that grows, 
But I guarantee you, it's not any fruit that we would want to eat of. And so we cannot allow ourselves to compete and to compare. It creates an inner world of destruction. And it's a pattern that must be broken. So if you have fallen into that trap, and that's exactly what it is, it's not you. It's just a trap that the enemy has set for you. But you have fallen into it. It's time to, to get out. We want to dig through the dirt and find the gold in people, but we want to celebrate it. We don't want to hold it inside and think about it. Little Miss Hannah's in with the kids, but I'm going to tell you straight out, that girl's got the most beautiful hair there is. I love her hair. It's like my dream hair, and every time I'm near her, I have to touch it, you know, and I have to put my fingers through it. And... I'm constantly celebrating her hair. She knows it. I flat out told her, don't you cut it unless you come to me. She's like, okay. But, but, in, but see how easy it would be to, to have somebody, you see something that they have and that you want. And if you keep it inside and you ponder it, then all of a sudden, then jealousy starts to grow. And, and pretty soon, instead of celebrating her beautiful hair, I'm envious of it. But if I, if I look at her hair and, and, and tell her how beautiful she is and how pretty her hair is, then it stays in the right spirit. Does that make sense? We want to find ways to lift people higher because the higher we lift them, the higher we go. And so we have to find the ways to do that because that looks different for each one of us. All of my life with my children, my, my passion was to give them everything that I have. I wanted my ceiling to be their floor. I really wanted that. And I know there's a lot of mothers in here that know exactly what I'm talking about. I just so passionately wanted to give them. And listen, there are so many things I didn't have. There are so many things that I still do not have. But what I did have, I was going to make sure they got every single bit of it. And Riverhouse, that is how I now feel about you. I have this passion inside of me to give you everything that I have fought for. Everything. And let me tell you. I have fought hard, and I so want you to have it because we get to give away the things that we fight for, and I passionately want my ceiling to be your floor. I want to see you rise up, and I want to see you become everything that God created you for. I really do, and I have recklessly abandoned myself unto you and unto this church because I want to see it fulfilled. What we celebrate, we replicate. I want more of you. So that's why tonight I'm celebrating you because I want 
this to just continue to grow. And I know that it will. Zig Ziglar, who was my favorite guy when I was growing up, I'm just saying, I actually went and spent a week with him when I was a freshman in college. And it it was like really expensive, but I was like determined to do it. And so I learned a lot from good, good old Zig. But one of my favorite sayings of his is that you see in others what exists within you. Does anybody know who Zig Ziglar is? I'm really feeling old. Okay. Oh, good. A few of you. What you see in others is what exists within you. So the best way to find the good in yourself is to find it in others first and then celebrate it. The next area that we need to be aware of and we need to be careful about is what we think and what we speak. Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the tongue. It's pretty powerful. You know the scripture in James that talks about how a big mighty ship, even in a storm, is controlled by that little tiny rudder. And that's us. We are so powerful. And the words that we speak can bring life or can bring death. Proverbs 15.28 says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a deviant tongue crushes the spirit. Chris Vallotton is one of the pastors at Bethel Church where I went to ministry school, and he was ahead of my school. So I really got to know him, I mean, from the stage, but really know a lot about his life. And he's an amazing man. For those of you who don't know him, he's just a powerful pastor, very, very, he's a prophet, actually. And he travels the world and, and does mighty things in the name of Jesus, a true world changer. But when he was a little boy, I don't know if you guys know this, but he, his mother was, uh, his father died when he was little, and his mother remarried an abusive man. And so Chris lived with a very abusive stepfather, and he had a rough, rough life. He didn't know how to read very well. He was dyslexic, and so he used to go in the closet to have to try to learn to read because his dad was such a nightmare. And when he became a Christian, God brought some people around him that began speaking life over him and began calling out in him what they saw. And eventually, Bill Johnson, who is the head pastor at Bethel Church, became his spiritual father and just began to tell him who he saw him to be and began to speak life over him. And now he's out changing the world. And that's what I want to do here. I want to raise up Chris Valentins. And I feel anointing over my whole body right now. Let me say it again. I want to raise up Chris Valentins. I really do. And someday when I'm a little old lady in my little rocking chair, I want to sit back and I want to watch you guys change the world. And I'm going to say, that's my boy. That's, that's my girl. I believe in you. And Christ in us 
the hope of glory. When we honor who people are, we empower them to be, to become who they were created to be. So life and death are in the words we speak. I don't know that there's a middle ground. So we're either speaking life or we're speaking death. And I want us to speak life. A healthy family will make mistakes. We all have, and we all will. But when we do, we go clean up our messes. Do you hear me? We clean up our messes. I met with a beautiful, powerful girl this week, and she, as we were talking, some pain came up, and it was having to do with her mom. And when I think she was maybe in, when she was in high school, her mom and dad separated, and instead of getting back together, the dad decided to go and be with another woman. And this woman, I'm sure, was in a great deal of pain. In fact, I'm certain she was. And she wanted to take her children into her pain with her. It happens. And this young, strong girl was pulling away, and she didn't want to go into that. And her mother said to her, I hope this same thing happens to you one day. Then you'll know about this pain. And she crushed her daughter's spirit. And that was years ago. And there was still pain from those words. I want to tell you something. That mother did not mean that. And I can say that not ever even meeting her. Hurting people hurt people. Which is why we have to feel our pain. Right, Jordan? You felt your pain tonight. And as hard as that was, I was so proud of you. If we don't deal with our pain, we will look behind us and we will have a path filled with wounded people. We have to deal with our pain. We have to feel in order to heal. But that's another sermon. That mother was in so much pain that she, she just was looking for somebody to understand the depth of her pain. And she desperately wanted her daughter to do that, but she couldn't. So she cursed her. If she would have come back, 
and cleaned up her mess, it would have been over. But she didn't do that. So this beautiful girl has been dealing with this pain year after year after year. When Jordan was a little boy, he was a handful. In fact, no one could push my buttons like him. He, was, he had a ton of authority on his life, and he was brilliant. And so he could get me all twisted up, and, and pretty soon I would get so angry that there were times when I said things to him that crushed his little spirit. And after I would calm down, it would hit me like that was my boy. Like I just said that to my son. And I'll tell you, I would go into his room and I would get on my knees and I would get eye to eye with him. And I would look him right in the eye and say, Jordan, I was wrong for saying that. I was wrong, and I did not mean that. I was just so angry at you. Will you please forgive me? And the crazy thing is immediately he would forgive me, and his whole disposition would change, and he would light up and hug me and kiss me and tell me he loved me and then run outside. Forgiven. Just like that. Forgiven. It's so important that we take care of our side of the street. When Jordan was out of high school, I actually took him to a counseling appointment because I was so concerned about what I had done to him as a child. And uh, after about 20 minutes, the counselor said, ma'am, I'm, I'm wasting your money. You guys can go ahead and go. And so we were driving home, and I was like, didn't you have any built-up resentment in your heart towards me? Like, come on, was there, there, are you sure? Did you dig deep? Are you positive that you're still not angry at me for all those things I said to you? And he goes, mom, do you know what one of the greatest gifts you've ever given me? Is you taught me how to humble myself and to admit when I was wrong. I was like, oh, I did? Oh, you mean all those times I failed? There was actually something good there? Clean up our messes. I went through a season where God asked me to clean up every single mess in my life, and I didn't even know most of them were there. The Lord would tell me who I needed to call. And I would call him up and say, I, I think I need to ask for your forgiveness. And they would start crying. Yes, you hurt me. And it was usually because I was hurting. It wasn't because I meant to hurt them. But hurting people hurt people. I want to close with this story. A very personal story, I might add. When my marriage 
began to fall apart. I, I always prayed fervently for my marriage, every day. I had a prayer chapel inside of my house, and I was there every single morning. But now things, things took a turn, and all of a sudden, my whole world feels out of control. But I knew that God would save my marriage. I was certain of it. And things got worse and worse and worse, and I still believed. And I spent hours on my face fighting in prayer for my husband. And I knew that God was a God that fights for families. God is a God that saves marriages. And he was going to save mine. Might not look like it, especially the day our divorce was final. But I still believed. Two weeks before he was getting married, I ran into six powerful women, all having powerful influences on my life, in McCall, Idaho. And we spent the weekend interceding for my marriage. We prayed, it was my sons and all these powerful women, we prayed through the night. And before I was heading home, they called me to their house. And they said, we feel strongly that God wants you to go to your husband and to tell him everything that's in your heart. No. No, God would not want me to do that. And they said, we believe he does. And they're all in agreement. Ha. Huh. Not an easy thing to hear after I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. But if that's what God wanted me to do, then I was going to do it. And so I went to him, and I looked him in the eyes, and I said, you are the one that my soul loves. And you are the one that I want to grow old with. And you are the one that I want to watch our children do mighty things for God with. I said, don't marry her. Come back and marry, marry me. And we both cried hard. And two weeks later, he married her. By far, the most difficult day of my entire life. Shortly after they were married, I had to drive up to their new home and pick up my son. And I was sitting in the Jeep, breathing, just Breathe, just breathe. And finally, I got my courage and I was going to go to the door. And the Lord said to me, You hurt Nita with what you did. 
I was like, but, but Lord, you told me to do it. I know. But what you did hurt her. So go clean up your mess. I knocked on the door, and she answered, and clearly her defenses were up towards me. And uh, she opened it a little bit, asked if I could come in. And I looked at her, and I said, Nita, I'm sorry that what I did hurt you. I didn't do it to hurt you, and I'm genuinely sorry that it did. I'm not sorry for fighting for my husband, so I can't apologize for that. And I looked at her and I said, he is now your husband, and I will honor that from this day forward. And we both got very emotional, and we hugged. And I have a picture. Last week, I had the privilege of having dinner with my family. It's my ex-husband's family. But because Nita and I have become friends, and because I have grown to love her, and because she's an amazing woman, and she's so thoughtful and so kind, I still get to be a part of the family. And listen, I have no family. I have 10 brothers and sisters, but I don't really have a family. They're all in California, and it's just, it's, there is no family. It is just gone. And this family has been my family most of my life. And so the worst thing about divorce is that you lose your family. And listen, for five years, I lost them. But God has restored it. And he's bought it back. This night, Nita, who is the one with the dog, she made a big dish of paella. It's a dish that takes all day to make. And it was so delicious. But the best part of the night is that there was so much love in their house. And I got to be a part of it. And somebody took this picture and they put it on Facebook. And when I saw it, I was giddy. And I was like, I have my family back. And they're an amazing family. Do you think that I would have this if I didn't go clean up my side of the street? If I didn't honor Nita? No, I wouldn't. My heart, my heart's desire for each one of you 
is that you will be courageous people who know how to humble yourself and who know how to look people in the eye, who know how to face your pain and are willing to do whatever it takes to fight for your connection with people. We are here to love and be loved. That's what it's about. And that's how we truly honor one another. If you will be committed to looking back, giving God permission to show you the people in your life that you need to honor and maybe you need to have conversation with, I want you to stand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. So, Father, thank you for these courageous people. And thank you, God, that we have everything inside of us to do everything you ask of us. And so I just pray, Lord, that we will each go where we need to go. We will speak what we need to speak. And we will honor everyone that you bring into our path. And we thank you for truth, because truth always sets us free. So bless these amazing people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.